Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast that discusses faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility in the hopes that we encourage and inspire you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of beyond the rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry, and in just a moment, Brandon is going to join me as we have a conversation about debunking some of the myths that we feel and believe in about marriage in our country, the United States of America. So, uh, you might have heard things like half of all marriages end in divorce, uh, that the the divorce rate in churches is no different than the rest of the population, and um, people are just really generally unhappy in their marriages. So we're going to talk about some of those stats. Uh, we're going to base this on some work that's been done by Shanti Feldhahn, and uh, yeah, we're just going to talk through it, talk about some rationality behind it, the logic behind it, and some tips and pointers for you. So sit back and relax unless you're operating heavy machinery while you're drinking. In that case, you just really should stop doing that, period, because that's just stupid. Uh, And listen to our show because we're going to help you take your life and your marriage beyond the rut. Here we go. Hey, Brandon, how are you doing? People uh, using heavy machinery while drinking. It's it, on the prescription bottle. Don't there do is a farmer out there missing a leg because he was drinking more than one <laughs> beer while driving a combine or a tractor. Just saying. I, I'm probably related to some of those farmers. But just to be clear, as you heard in the intro, we only care about marriages in our country. So people in other countries, nah, good luck. Yeah, we mean, didn't research any of that. So. <laughs> I had to be factually accurate because the work of Shanti Feldhahn, who's written books like For Her Only or For Him Only, which has re- or For Women Only and For Men Only, which are kind of like insights into like – like For Women Only talks about the insights of the male perspective and then for – which, Men only which talks makes about sense. Yeah. Otherwise, the title so, would make yeah. Sense. So, like, you know, a woman's <laughs> going to pick up a book because it's for her only. It's you know, her there husband's go. not going to read it, and then she reads it and they're like, oh, that's what he's thinking. Oh, I get it. And then on the flip side, the men are like, hey, what about the book for us? Because we have no idea what our wives are thinking or talking about. And so she wrote a, a companion book called for him for men only, and it gave insights to the typical American woman, uh, most likely from the Christian perspective, because Shanti's Christian and. She's focused on Christian marriages. Uh, anyway, uh, a few years back in 2014, she and her research partner, Tally Whitehead, uh, did some – What could you rattle off I know. Names? I'm like rattling <laughs> off names like they're my friends, but they have no idea who I am. So um, anyway, yeah, in 2014, they published a book and it was called – let me see here because I just read books. I don't pay attention to the title. Uh, the Good News About Marriage. <laughs> so you would have picked up the for her only because you don't pay attention. Because I, I wouldn't have paid attention. I'm like, this, like, has, this book why, makes no sense. <laughs> why do I need to know how men think? I'm a man. I, I get this. So and I'm like, oh, well, I read the wrong one. Um, how about that? Um, I needed the other book. So what's uh, the title of the book? This book that I'm talking about, we're going to talk about is The Good News About Marriage, Debunking Woo-hoo. Discouraging Myths About Marriage and Divorce. So she was working on uh, – she was actually working on a research project uh, pulling together the data on divorce rates, and and she was first thing she was going to look at was, you know the 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 so called fact that half of all marriages end in divorce. I know that's true, though. I've heard it for fifty years. I used to go around spouting the same thing, and so what she noticed when she was looking for the source material because she was finding people who quoted it. Wait a minute. So some statistics lie. Some statistics, if not a lot of statistics, are most certain. 
if, if not an outright lie, it is a gross misinterpretation of what the facts, facts. actually say. Yeah. Check yeah. the data, people. <laughs> and check the analysis of, you know, what's the rationale? Yeah. So um, it turns out with this particular one uh, where people say half of all divorces, um, half of all marriages end in divorce, the analysis itself is wrong. The data that they derive from is correct. And so what happened was back in the 1980s, so like 1980, 1981, you pick. Um, that was a long yeah, time ago. Uh, or, or just get Shanti's book and, and read the facts that I didn't pick up on because I picked up on the big point, which was uh, – so the way they get to this point is uh, they looked at – back in the 80s, somebody looked at all marriages filed in courthouses licenses. that year. Yeah, all marriage licenses filed um, or you know applied for that year. Then they looked at all divorces filed in the same year, and they saw, hey, the number of divorces filed is half the number of the marriages li- marriage licenses filed. Therefore, half of the marriages end in divorce. Ah, there you go. There's our stat. Marriages are in trouble. We need to peddle our marriage uh, advice, and uh, you know this is a crisis hitting America, and I don't know. Epic proportions. Uh, <laughs> all the pandemic wordage. <laughs> yes. There. Insert all troubles there. Uh, and so, and, and nobody ever challenged that because they said we it looked, makes sense. Yeah, we looked up the data filed in courthouses and they were like, oh, okay. But then if you look deeper, you don't have to go much deeper with this particular one. You, you just look at the fact that they were looking at all brand new marriages for that year and they stacked it against all marriages of all time that were getting divorced. And if you look at just the raw numbers, yeah, you get the half. But if you, you look at what you're actually comparing is apples and oranges because you're looking at brand new marriages versus marriages of all time. And when you compare, what you really should do is take, if you want the divorce rate, is that number of divorces filed for that year compared to all marriages currently in the United States of America. And when you look at that number, it's more like 3%. And then if you look over the lifetime of somebody, uh, about one in four people actually will experience divorce. So it's, it's a lot go. lower. So when you hear that, what, what are the, uh, the thoughts that come to mind for you as a pastor? Well, I think, I think part of it makes sense because there's a narrative out there that we want to break down the family and we want to break down the whole patriarchal leadership and all that kind of stuff. So saying this kind of stat doesn't necessarily affect the good, strong marriages. It affects the younger people that are like, it really doesn't matter if we get married or not, because 50% of marriages end in divorce, either me or you. If I just don't get married, then I don't have to worry about it. So mm-hmm. they just live together and then they experience breaking up, which yeah. is another real thing. And, but and the breakup is no different than a divorce. Like if you absolutely. get a pet together, now you got to decide who gets the pet, who yep. shares the pet. And then uh, the property split up is the same, except now there's no legal recourse. Right. Yeah. Um, and and just believing that a stat sounds good. And more importantly, it supports the narrative you already wanted to put yeah. out there. Then you don't even check out the facts. You know, and, and, and I say things all the time and most of the people that know me know that, you know, most of what I say is probably not true, but unless I'm saying it from stage in the church, then it's true. But <laughs> well, even then sometimes, unless I'm quoting the Bible, otherwise it may not be true, but people will take a stat and run with it, you know, especially in politics and stuff like that. Or if they just say, well, you know, most, most people in like apartment buildings, they discriminate against certain people. So you wouldn't even apply to get an apartment. There. Oh, yeah. And, 
these are just things maybe you've heard, but you don't personally know because you've never actually researched it. And that's what's so beautiful about what she did was it's like, okay, 50% of all marriages sound good. Let me dig into it and see how you got there. And she didn't have to go far with that particular one. (laughs) I mean, she was like, wait, you're comparing brand new marriage licenses versus all marriages of all time getting divorced. And I heard somewhere that 30% of the marriage licenses that are obtained never get filed. Oh, and and I don't remember where I heard that, but it was one of those things where they didn't know why. So let's say you know you you applied for one and you were going to get married and your relationship broke up or whatever, so you threw away the license. It's like seventy five dollars, so it seems kind of weird that somebody would do that, but it's cheaper than you get married to somebody you shouldn't be married to. (laughs) But uh, somebody was doing that research in the state of Texas. They just said that like thirty percent of the licenses that were applied for were never filed, and so you bought it. But you never went through with the ceremony. Some of that maybe you went to Vegas and got married or, you know, so you don't have a state of Texas license or whatever. But yeah, I don't know, man. And now Shanti's book actually goes in a deeper dive on how she estimates the divorce rate really being around 20 to 25 percent. So there are many other studies and databases that she tapped into. I just want to dive into those because it's. So boring. Plus, it robs her of a book uh, sale. <laughs> her book's not boring. It's the book is us awesome. Disguising, yeah. they're discussing the numbers is boring. So yes, and I mean, <laughs> if you've listened to this show long enough, you know the stats that come out of our mouths need to be fact checked. Ninety yeah. so- <laughs> percent of the stuff we say could or could not be true. We don't know. But uh, you know, the thing about you know half of marriages ending in divorce is if you look at the numbers, you dig deeper, you look at this analysis by Shanti and others, because more people are coming forward and finding this, then you realize, hey, maybe you know there is more hope for marriage. And uh, you know, if you go into a marriage thinking half of them end in divorce, what does that say for your own personal outlook on your own marriage? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Right. And and part of that is is what this podcast is all about. What you believe about yourself and your future determines a lot of your future. Oh, yeah. You know, I believe my marriage isn't going to work out. Well, the chances I'm I'm assuming probably are really high if two people go into a marriage thinking it's not going to work out, it won't. Exactly. And two yeah. people who go into it thinking it will, just like a, a business or a job or asking somebody out on a date. I, I have a good friend that's single now, and he's like, but if I ask her, she she's going to say no. It's like, well, then why even ask? Yeah. You've already given yourself the answer. <laughs> and if you, you don't ask, believe. the answer is nothing, exactly. which is almost like no. Yeah. 100% <laughs> of the time, you're going to be right because you didn't do anything. Exactly. And that's what gives Getting out of that rut is what are you putting into your marriage? And we want to talk about some of that too, because you can't just get married. The the wedding is such a small part of mm-hmm. a of a marriage. You know, it's an event. And it, it's like 
you know, throwing a party one day, it's like, okay, it might've been a great party, but it doesn't have any bearing on the rest of your life if you don't actually do something with that. Yeah. And speaking of asking, uh, you gave me a challenge to ask Shanti to be on our show. I haven't asked yet. So, <laughs> so she said no by proxy <laughs> because I haven't asked yet. Ask. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to reach out to her. turns out she has a podcast as well. And it's with uh, a co-host named Brian something. So I'm going to reach out to Brian and to Shanti and see if they'd like to be on the show. Cool. Um, and that'd be cool because then they, they can take a deeper dive into this content as well. How they got to there, the research adventure, all that good stuff. Um and then, you know, so we talked about the flip side, you know, so if you go into your marriage thinking it's got a 50% probability of failure, then chances are you're going to go that route. But if you also kind of draw that line in the sand and say, you know what, we're not going to be the half that, or we're not going to be that statistic that goes to divorce. I'm in it hundred percent full bore. My partner's in it hundred percent full bore. Your chances of thriving in marriage go up tremendously, I assume. Right. Because you're thinking, you know, positively and in, you know, in a race or a job or a project or whatever it is, if you think most people fail at this, when you fail at it, you're not going to be bothered by that. Yeah. But if I told you, you know, 95% of people are able to complete this task in less than a minute, you're going to do everything you can to complete that task because yeah. you want to be like most people. You don't want to be like 5% of the failures in the world that didn't complete it. Yeah. Even if that stat's completely false, you, what you believe about yourself and how you fit into the overall scheme of things. Most of us are okay being average, being in the middle somewhere, but we don't want to be at the bottom. Yeah. And so we do just enough to kind of maintain. And I, I would assume there was, there was one stat you gave about people being oblivious and we'll talk about oh, that yeah, that's coming real up. quick. But one of the things that I would assume is when people when you ask people, they're like, oh, my marriage is okay. I do just enough. If they're not, if they're honest, they'll say this, but most men wouldn't say this because yeah. it'll sound bad, but I do just enough to keep her from leaving me or kicking me out. And it's like, well, who wants to live like that? <laughs> it's like, I've successfully not gotten fired for 25 years with this company. I was going like, to say, well, yeah, it's just like their work life. Mean anything. Yeah. Do just enough to not get fired. Uh, yeah. I'm doing the same thing in marriage. I'm doing just enough so she doesn't divorce me. Uh, I'm between two employees that are horrible. So <laughs> I look okay, you know. Oh, boy. Um, so transitioning now into the, the second statistic I wanted to chat about, and that was, you know, the claim that the divorce rate in churches among church couples is no different than the divorce rate in the rest of the United States of America. And she was again, looking for the source material on that. And when she found the study and you know, again, you got to get her book to go into it and I'm just going to kind of give you the lazy version here. Um, but when she dug in deeper, uh, what she found out was what that information was based on was a researcher who didn't distinguish between, uh, he just basically asked, what religion do you identify with? Right. And so, you know, when people check off Christian, it didn't denote, am I a worshiping, practicing, active Christian who goes to church every week versus, you know, I got water splashed on my head when I was a baby. So I'm Christian. I was raised Christian right. and I, I guess I'm Christian. So Christian it is. There, There's a huge difference. Um, you know, there's the application of, there's the receiving of the the word, the information that's in that Bible, the lesson that comes out of that Bible the, from the sermons you attend and so on. Um, so it turns out when she dug deeper, she found some other data sources that helped her pinpoint that couples who attend church regularly, so weekly, biweekly, but regularly, mm -hmm. um, 
they had a much lower divorce rate than those who do not attend church or any type of religious service. Um, and so the, the range for that statistic was actually 35 to 50% lower than right. couples who don't attend regularly. Um, so knowing that information, what do you think it is about attending church regularly that couples are receiving that couples who don't go to church are not receiving? I would say, and I'm I'm completely biased being a pastor, but what? what happens is you're both focused on one way of living. Okay. You know, yeah. assuming you're Christian, which is all I can really speak to because I don't know a lot yeah. about the other religions, but And you can both have different perspectives of that same right. way too. Exactly. It's, it's interesting, but yeah, true. Almost everybody does. And you know, Pastor Jess and I, we pastor Grace Community and we have some different views on some things. And in a in a marriage, if you're both relying essentially on the same way marriage should be, you're not separated in the sense that I think it, you know, monogamy and marriage is kind of a joke. So I can go do what I want to oh, do yeah. and and she doesn't, then obviously that's gonna cause you some problems. Oh, big. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But if you if you view things like the language you use in your home and the things that happen in your home through that main perspective, that's going to strengthen your relationship. Yeah. You're on the same page, just like a business or anything else. If if you and I ran a business, which we do, but we thought, you know, very much a podcast should be this way or that way or different ways, yeah. it would make the struggle, you know, harder because we weren't going in the same direction on the same kind of vision. Yeah. And that to me is what a marriage that attends church regularly. Now we'll say having stood on the stage and looked out, there are way more women in church than men. True. So men, I'm going to say, if you want to do something about that, get to church with your wife. But also, like you said, people who identify as Christian versus attend church are two different groups. Oh, yeah. Because you and I know that, you know, if everybody, we live in South Texas, there's roughly half a million people in the South Texas area, so to speak. At any given moment on a Sunday, high attendance day, maybe 30,000 people are in church. So that means where are the other 470,000 people not in church? Now, assuming some of them aren't Christian, let's say half of them. Where are the other 200 and some odd thousand people at, yeah. you know? So again, on stats. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of Christians that identify with it but don't live it. You know, yeah. it's like, I love— vegetables. But if I don't eat them, then I'm not going to be healthy. I, yeah. I love running, but I don't do it. So it doesn't really, really a make a difference. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so uh, what are some other things that churchgoers who come on a weekly basis receive that somebody who's not a churchgoer may not be received? So I would say the big thing is uh, the group, the social okay, community yeah. aspect of that, because I have friends I can lean on and I yeah. can call and say, Hey, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling there. And, you know, one of the things that we've done multiple times is have lunch with our wives. And well, we've always done that, but like dinner and lunch and stuff and ask those questions. How do you feel about this and that? And, yeah. you know, our children are older and, and transitioning in different ways to school and life and stuff like that. And being able to discuss that in a community way is so much different than somebody who's just living off by themselves and they don't have that close community around yeah. them. Now, somebody will push back and say, hey, I don't ever go to church, but I have friends and I have community and everything else. But more than likely, and and I'm just projecting here, but most of the people you're hanging out with and talking to believe the same thing you believe. Yeah. So they're reinforcing what you're saying. Or they don't have the same priorities that you have. Right. Because if you're hanging out with your old friends and they're, say, single. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or they're, you know, they don't have the same values you do. Yep. 
then they're going to give you advice that's like, oh, well, if she's doing that, just dump her. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, exactly. this is America. Just divorce her. And you're like, oh, okay. And and then you get fit by that. Whereas, uh, yeah, the church community, if it's a good one, a healthy one, uh, it's going to pour into your life. You're going to live life together, basically. You're going to be in kind of like a village right. of people with like-minded uh, vision and values. And so you can lean on each other. Um, you have a pastor or pastors who you can lean on for advice as well. Uh, you can go to them for counseling uh, just to check in, see how things are going. There's a support network in a church that if you're plugged in, you're going there weekly, you're being genuine, other people are being genuine, you could really grow from that. And, and I hear constantly, you know, what I don't like about your church is this, 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 and this. What did you do? You yeah. Know, are you getting you pour into that community? In? If there's no small group ministry, start one. You know, get mm-hmm. involved in that. If uh, there's no, you know, food ministry where they help people who get put in the hospital or get sick or whatever, you start one. Yeah. You know, there, it's easy to point a finger at a church and say, well, this is what that church is doing wrong, which may or may not be true. But my question for you is, what are you doing? Yeah. And if you and your spouse, for whatever reason, are going to a church and you're not connected, Go to a different church. Mm-hmm. Find another church where you can be or you want to be or whatever, because I I know so many people, and this drives me crazy to meet people that are basically kind of floating out there by themselves. Oh yeah. Because they they didn't get connected to people, you know, and 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 I have a number of people in my life that I could call at three o'clock in the morning and say, This is what's going on, and they're just on their way. I know a ton of people that can't say that. You know, I just need to borrow a hundred dollars or I need to pick something up and I don't have a truck or I don't have enough arms or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, can you help me? Uh, there's so many people that don't have that. Yeah. And, and that's really incumbent on you to get connected to that church. So one stat is people who attend church. Another stat is, and I don't know if it's in the book or if there's a way to figure this out, but how many of those marriages that are connected and serving and giving and attending on a consistent basis stay together? Yeah. I would have to imagine that's huge number. It's, it's probably even lower. I I'd have to dig up the research I've come across on that myself just when, you know, what, a decade ago when I was involved with Family Life Ministries as a mm-hmm. local uh, ministry director. And it, it looked like when you, when you studied couples that have been married 40, 50 years, like till death do us part, and they really did do that. Right. Um, what they found was it wasn't a case of an abusive relationship where the man just didn't let her out or anything like that. What they found was, um, for a, a vast or significant chunk of this group was their deep connection with a faith community. Right. And that they, they didn't just attend church, sit in the pew and go home and become their normal selves. Right. They volunteered. They ser- so they served together, they worshiped together, they lived the same values out together. They you know they did life together. Right. And uh, that's what you see in those marriages that have lasted decades. Um, to till death do they part. And you and I have been digging into this for a few weeks now. And, and some of the couples that I've talked to that have been married 30, 40 years yeah. plus all start the same way. It hadn't been perfect. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, well, of course not. And, you know, we, we know that you've had kids. So of course your life's messed up, <laughs> but you've, you've gone through things, you know, things break, you lose jobs, you lose some health issues. You, you know, your parents, her parents and, and neighbors and all that kind of stuff yeah. happen. The question is, like like you said, they do it together. Okay, this is what we're facing, but we're going to face it together. Yeah. And it may or may not look like what 
you know, other people think it should look like, but what does that close group around you think? You know, you recently moved to Dallas for a job and, and we've met now a number of times with Mm -hmm. you and Liv and say, Hey, how is that working? How does it look today? Maybe it was great yesterday, but is it good today? Is it good six months from now? What are your daily, weekly, monthly plans to make that work? And I've shared with you, honestly, the the struggles that come with that, you know, the challenges that we face that we didn't even expect were going to hit us. That that are hitting us, and and you were able to talk us through and uh, give us some input, and you know just give us reassurance too. Like, hey, yeah. it's going to be okay. Hey, remember you're counting down. What can and you were asking like, what can you do proactively to keep you know uh, this drift from happening or right. this this animosity from building? And it was like, oh wow, yeah, it's a good good point. You know, we got technology. We can get past yeah, that. So Exactly. <laughs> so we got this now, thing called FaceTime. Writing what? a letter that may or may not get there in seven to 10 days. And then she's writing a letter back in seven to 10 days. Yeah, you know, you're talking twice a month. Yeah. Basically. You know, here I am treating it like a deployment. Like I'm yeah, only getting to go exactly. home every two weeks. It's yeah. like, wait a sec. We can call each other multiple times a day, every day. And it'd be like, you know, we're not home together, but at least the connection's still going. And I was like, oh, that's so smart. And I think sometimes we look at the situation too small. It's like, can you handle that? Sure. You you probably can because you you want to and and you kind of know what's going to happen. But the kids are still, you know, living life. They're still, you know, driving cars and getting girlfriends and boyfriends and jobs and school. And they're still struggling. Those stresses add to the marriage. Yeah. Uh, External family, you know, parents get sick. uh, extended family gets sick or, you know, whatever needs help and things happen. So you have to look at it in that context, not just can the two of you do it, but can the two of you in this environment do it? Yeah. And now for the sake of time, I'm going to move us on to the third statistic that was an eye opener for us. And that was, uh, you know, we tend to think it's the big ticket items that are going to end a marriage. You know, you know, like having an affair could very much. And, and really a jet does. ski could. That's a big ticket item because yeah. Renee told me if I got a motorcycle or jet ski, she's like, no. Done. Yeah. So, so big ticket <laughs> items, big purchases without consulting your spouse can end a marriage too, or at least cause a really big fight. And when we have Dan Hines on the show, we'll get into exactly. that one. And uh, we got somebody else coming up. Oh, I forgot his name, but it'll come up. It's, it's a future episode. He's going to get on, talk about money fights with his spouse and how they got out of $61,000 of debt. But that's not the stat I wanted to cover. Um, so to give you hope, because that's what this whole episode so it's about is to give you hope. This third statistic, uh, this eye opener was uh, as she was researching, you know, what is it that couples are feeling? You know, do they feel like they're a highly uh, engaged couple? Are they kind of they're doing OK or are they disengaged and like unhappy? And what she found was among the 100 percent of the couples that she surveyed, 78 percent of them felt that they were happy or strongly happy. Um, and then uh, what was the category she used? You know, I got the page. You're supposed to remember everything. Yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> uh, highly happy couples was the top tier. Um, mostly happy couples was the second tier. Struggling couples was the third tier. And that was like where one or both of the couples said they were unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, so what she found was that of the struggling couples, which made up only 22% of the population she surveyed. So 78% were either mostly happy or highly happy. Right. So 22% were struggling. And that was where one or both couples were unhappy or uh, people in the, in the relationship were unhappy. And so of the 22%, only four percentage points had both of them say they're unhappy. What she found though, in the 18 percentage points 
or in other words, 82% of the unhappy or struggling couples. I'm completely lost on the numbers now. It's okay because somebody out there is nerdier than me who's like, I want more data, more data, Jerry, more data. Uh, Yeah, we'll put this in the show notes and we'll we'll tag the book in there too. There you go. Um, But here's the thing I'm getting at. The the 82% of struggling couples, it's really one person who is unhappy and the other person is is oblivious Mm-hmm. to the fact that the other spouse is unhappy. And the reasoning that Shanti takes on is that if you're, and when you dig deeper, what are they unhappy about? It's the little things <laughs> like the annoying things that the other yep. spouse does day in and day out that just drives them nuts or the feeling that they're not loved enough or appreciated enough or respected enough. Um, the, she even references that book, love and respect by Egrix. Um, and so it's far e- this is her rationale it's far easier to get the oblivious spouse to become aware and start working with the unhappy spouse to make things right mm-hmm. than it is to try to engage both in the in the relationship who are disengaged and unhappy what are your thoughts right. on that well my thought is the the reason that's true is because if somebody's oblivious chances are they're not going in any direction so it's much easier to get them to go in your direction if somebody's disengaged, they're going in a separate direction. Yeah. So they're more likely to start an inappropriate relationship or at least a friendship that doesn't support your marriage. You know, one thing I always say to people, especially in, in new marriage counseling, is I always say, you know, not everybody's for your marriage. Mm-hmm. It would seem like it because you're surrounded by people that are celebrating you and cheering you at the wedding and stuff. But there are people out there that don't think your marriage is all that great. And and they maybe are not attacking it, but they're not supporting it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's kind of like if you told me, is it OK for me to go out and have a drink? Sure. Is it OK for you to go out and have a drink in Dallas without live? alone in a bar where mostly females hang out that don't know you're married? No. That's That's on the top 10 list of how to get in trouble with my wife. Exactly. So it depends on what you're talking about as to where you put that in perspective. Also, I would say that if you're oblivious, it's because of the little things. Yeah. You're not, you know, it's not an affair or cocaine or, you know, this major thing. It's the little things that what I, I call unspoken expectations. Yeah. I, I wished you hadn't done it, but I never told you not to do that. Yes. And and you do it every day at three o'clock, no matter what. And it's like, and I hate it. Yeah. Well, even just my homecomings, you know, we mentioned I moved to Dallas. I come home every week or two and uh, I come in and, and it turns out I'm a disruptive force in the Absolutely. house because for the week or two, they've got into their own groove. Yep. And here I come in and even though I have my own spot for everything in the house, those aren't my spots anymore. Exactly. So I just kind of put stuff down on the fireplace mantle and I put stuff down behind the couch and I put stuff by the door and these are clutter pieces. And this is just a little thing. This isn't like what brought Liv and I to the brink or anything yeah. like that. I'm just uh, pointing out that if I remained oblivious to that, Liv was going to grow in her animosity or frustration with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she pointed it out in jest and was like, well, you know, truth be told, uh, everything that was my normal spot has now been engulfed by the rest of the environment. So Jacob's claimed stuff, Emma's claimed stuff, you've claimed stuff. So and I, I just could put these things here because I need to bring them back with me to Dallas. I'm forgetful. This is helping me remember. And when I explain that, she goes, oh, okay. So now she's okay with, she's okay-ish yeah. <laughs> with me leaving these things out. But I mean, 
those are the kind of things that build up. It's like, well, you know, he never does the dishes, so he must not love me. Right. Or, you know, he's always leaving his socks on the floor in the middle of the floor and I trip over them. He's trying to kill me. How you know? big are your socks? I, I, I <laughs> Don't leave them in the middle of the floor either. But uh, I'm just throwing examples out there. You know, he leaves the toilet seat up. That's right. probably the most oh, yeah, vicious yeah. argument couples have, right? That you really want to end a marriage, leave the seat up a lot. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Hearing your wife scream in the middle of the night. Knowing full well, as soon as you hear it, that's on me. That, that was not one of the kids. That yeah. was on me. I'm glad I made that mistake early. <laughs> but I would say to, to couples out there that are listening, one of the things you should not do, and, and, and I do this, so I'm being hypocritical, is sometimes mentioning that in jest, you're mm-hmm. joking, and I joke way too much. I know that, but have that real conversation of, oh, yeah. you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, Jerry, you're just a slop, and then that's interpreted, and then finally you work it out. Oh, you mean you don't want me to put my stuff there? Yeah. Rather than just say, I'd rather you put all your stuff right here, and and you work it out. Sometimes we just kind of joke about it as opposed to just having an honest conversation yeah, about yeah. it. And and the reason we're talking about little things is because the little things add up. You know, you you never do that. Even though it's probably not never, they built up to the point where now you never do it. So, yeah. so what I hear a lot of times from people is like, well, she says I never do it. So why? What's the point? When I do it, she doesn't recognize it. Yeah. Well, because you're not doing it consistently, you know, and if you do it consistently, eventually her saying that sounds silly and you can point that out. I've done the dishes every day for a week and you've said that three times. It's clearly not true. Yeah. So, you know, you got to do the little things and guys, we can go out and buy the Tiffany ring for $10,000 or the brand new BMW or whatever it is that you think is going to fix everything and make everything better. But I would imagine an overwhelming amount of spouses will say, if you just did these three little things, and almost always those three things are free, they're easy, they take 10 minutes, 15 minutes tops, and you will get way more points than yeah. that diamond ring or the BMW. It's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds almost like a plug for an episode that's coming up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We will awesome. cover that soon. Yeah. Um, and I, I highly recommend the book Love and Respect by Dr. Er- Egrix. E-G-G-E-R-I-C-H. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, so a bonus stat, because we, we kind of need to wrap up and get to those other three episodes that we want to put in this series. Um, yeah. What is the magic mark of like, you kind of need a finish line. Like, where can I know oh, we got we got a lot more hope? than I thought before. Um, And it turns out the majority of, and I I don't have the stat handy. I just remember five years is Mm -hmm. kind of the magic number. If you can get to your your marriage, if you can get your marriage to five years, your chances of divorce go down tremendously. Most divorces happen in the first five years. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, We as a society are very temporary. And we buy plastic, we buy throwaway stuff. And if it doesn't work out, I still have time to go marry somebody else. So we're, we're, <laughs> we're quicker to pull the ripcord yeah. rather than just kind of grip and, and, and engage. You know, this is going in a direction it shouldn't. And you think about it in terms of your car. When you drive your car every day, you don't notice it pulling to the left or yeah. the right. But when I get in your car, to me, that's the first thing I notice. Man, how do you drive this? It's really pulling. You need an outside perspective to see that. And sometimes about five years in, we're like, okay, I, I understand now I'm not perfect. She's not perfect. 
and you can work through that after about five years. But that first five years, I think it's just basically we're quitters. We we uh, just tend yeah. to say, oh, this isn't working out. I don't like a restaurant. I don't go there again. I don't like yeah. this job. I quit and go get another job. Yeah. And, you know, in those first five years, what's happening is you have two very separate individuals who are now coming together still as individuals, but now they're living in a state of oneness because that's what's needed to really thrive for the rest of your lives. And we're coming off the episode with Bill Hutchison, who's been married for a long time. There are over 30 years of experience in ministry for marriages. A very great conversation. If you haven't heard that, go back to episode 231. So beyondtherut.com slash 231. And you can hear that conversation with Bill Hutchison. But one of the things he talks about is your marriage, especially as a Christian couple, is to have purpose for God's kingdom. It's more than just you two trying to be happy. It's (laughs) you two having purpose together for his kingdom. And from that, you are deriving happiness as a byproduct. It's kind of cool. But really to get to that sense of oneness, you really got to work out some kinks and differences and work together as a team to get to that five-year mark and then beyond. And after the five-year mark, you're not in the clear. You got work to do. <laughs> right. Otherwise, you're going to drift apart because of this thing called children. Yeah. And uh, so you got to make sure you don't drift apart because you're raising children. And that's something Liv and I are facing right now is we're one child away from being empty nesters. And we're right. realizing, hey, when she's gone, when that little girl is gone, we just got each other. And, you know, it's like we're doing the shoring up. We have been for the past few years. Like, let's make sure when we're empty nesters, we know each other. Yeah. And, well, yeah. One of the things you're doing is tomorrow you are living on a trip. Just the two of you with no kids. Yes, and they are and so mad about exactly. that. Exactly. Because we're and going if, to Disney World. <laughs> if your kids aren't mad at you because you're picking each other over them yeah. on a consistent basis, you're doing something yeah. wrong. You and know, we it, have an upcoming episode with Meg Glesner. Been married oh, yeah. 31 years, and she's going to share some of her tips. And one of them was the importance of connecting. And we have a past episode, Monica Tanner, That's who true. talks about you know connecting with your spouse intentionally on a daily basis. So lots of great resources in this show. You know, it's kind of cool. Five years later, we got enough content where we can just start name dropping people to help you, our listeners, get the resources and the information and the inspiration you need. Uh, Before we wrap up, any final words? All of this is free too. We're giving all of this stuff away for free. So if you feel guilty about that and you want to write a big check, you can do that. Go to beyondtherut.com. And uh, just we have no way of people giving money to us, by the way. <laughs> okay, never mind. Mail a check too. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you start dropping down a real address. You yeah. got to do it now. Fifteen fourteen Flyer Bluff Drive. That's a church address. You can oh, come by, go to church, or we got a mailbox too. Yeah, and that'd be Corpus Christi, Texas seven eight four one eight. Well, look at that. We have Cash App, too. Uh, G Brandon C. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Venmo? You got a Venmo? I do have yeah. Venmo. I'm getting away from Venmo because I'm mad at PayPal right now, but that's uh, another story. That's a different, yeah, it's a whole <laughs> different episode then. Okay. All right. So if you liked everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 232. There you'll find a link to Shanti's book, as well as Love and Respect, and these episodes that I name dropped, like Monica Tanner. Uh, I didn't mention Mike Bullock, but Pastor Mike Bullock has a book out that'd be great. It's a missing ingredient. Um, And then what else? The future episodes, if I remember, I'll go back in time and I'll put those future episodes into this episode's show notes. Uh, We're so glad that you joined us this week. And the best way you can pay us back or show your appreciation is not really to send us money because uh, we're totally joking about that for now anyway, Um, but to pay us forward, you know, give us, share us on your social media networks, retweet this. If you see this on Twitter, Uh, if you don't see it on Twitter, just tweet it anyway, put it on LinkedIn, put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, put it on Pinterest, whatever you'd like to do. If you have a blog or a podcast, mention this episode. There we go. 
Um, now, we're glad you joined us this week. We look forward to joining you again next week because this is the kickoff to a four-part series about healthy marriages. So until next time, next week, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.